Hey everyone, welcome to the GIST Podcast. If you're tired of being comfortable and want to take on living life from the context of 100%, fuck yeah. Join us each week as we share lessons we're experiencing in this crazy game called life. We invite you to play along and get your shit together. Take responsibility for how your life is currently going and at the same time, take on new, fun, and sometimes crazy shit. We promise to challenge your thinking by being vulnerable, authentic, and straight up with what we're dealing with, what doesn't work, and what can. Be warned, this is not your grandma's podcast. Pay for it. Pay for the poison. Hey, do you have one of your, you don't have one of your badass intros? I don't have an intro today. Thank you for saying it. Acapella. Yeah. Acapella. I like it. Acapella (laughs) impromptu. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are going to improv this. So is everybody ready? I feel like a security guard. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do this. What's the maximum capacity of this Oh, this is really great. I'm super excited, and I know you guys are super excited. <laughs> I'm, ready to, I'm ready to do what I do. So we are uh, we have intentionally set up this episode as being our milestone 50th episode. No pressure. And seriously no pressure. But we just knew that there would be something super magical that would come out of a conversation like this and it it was perfect for our 50th. So we've done some podcasts uh, up until this point and they will show up after this one. Uh, so this is episode 50 of the Just Life podcast, and it is a special edition of relationships, and that's one of our, our biggest, um, I shouldn't say biggest, it's one of our categories that we feel is important to be talking about. And so what we're doing tonight, today, this morning, it's not tonight, it's just this morning. <laughs> and, and in fact, you would have no idea either way. And you'd have no idea because it's audio, Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have Heather Spurl here. She's actually going to host the podcast today. And we have two special guests that have volunteered to put their life on the table. Or Volen Wrangled. Volen Wrangled. Ooh, I like that. New hashtag. I thought you were going to say put their life on the line. I was going to say that. Wow. Yeah. Put, put their life in Heather's hands. They are a a new couple. So Queenie and Richard, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi. And um, Vern and I are going to leave these beautiful people alone to have a conversation about life in the context of relationships and um, whatever that looks like as it comes out. There is no time there, there, there is no agenda here. There, there is no, you got to do this in a certain amount of time, whatever shows up, whatever comes up. Uh, and then we will do whatever happens on the back end. and nobody's any wiser to what happened. So we're going to leave you guys. And then uh, when you're ready and when you're done, we will come in and then we'll get a bit of a, um, like a Cole's, a Cole's notes of, of what happened and where you guys at and, and see, go from there. All right. Anything that you want to share to uh, to start the episode, Heather? Um, I, I don't think so. We had decided we were going to do sort of a, 
a couple's coaching conversation. And uh, so I'm looking forward to digging into that and seeing where we go. Me too. I'm super excited to hear what comes out of it. So we will leave you. Enjoy your time. Create magic. There's some napkins, tissues. 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 No I bring napkins. those. I bring those with me. I actually have like more in my jacket, wherever that is. Too. And, and seriously, just honoring the fact that we're human beings. If you guys, even after we leave, you guys need a little time to work your shit out. If you're dealing with anything right now, if there's anything in your space, it's safe here, and you can share. Thank you, security guard. We appreciate that. Thanks, Vern. Yeah. So valuable. All right, guys. I'm gonna leave you to it. So have fun. Awesome. Cool. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did we mention we're going to lock the door? You didn't realize it's a weekend retreat? I'm sorry. <laughs> Intensive. Awesome. So uh, we talked on the phone on Wednesday. Did you guys decide where we're starting today? Queenie, did we decide? We did not. <laughs> we thought about it, and we are going to go on the exploration journey. And whatever comes up, comes up. Okay. Yeah. And part of it is we take on all these things in our lives that we're committed to and so much happens most of the time between him and I, we don't remember what happened the day before. So some of these issues we're thinking of, it got to a point where I'm like, hey, we're trying too hard to think of what issue or challenge to talk about. So we thought just let's explore, which now makes me more nervous because I'm like, what's going to come up? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it all as issues either. Um, I'd say discussions. Um, about Challenges, that, discussions. About that language, we almost need a, a wall for ourselves to say, okay, this is what Richard's word is, and this is what Queenie's word, and that's how it means the same thing. Gotcha. Okay. And so <clears throat> when we talked on the phone, one of the things that I was really clear about was that we actually needed a topic to talk about. So that was what left with you guys as part of, that's in order true. for this to be effective. Mm-hmm. And, and, get what we had come here to do so do you guys need a few minutes to make a decision then about what it is like where we're putting our focus today I think the wording is a good place to start and that would almost lead to wording as in like what Richard was saying we mean the same thing but have different definitions and we used to get into a lot of arguments Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. because it caused a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for the work of Landmark we would not be clear on it as quickly as we would. Mm-hmm. And we still have that. And that would also lead to, um, this just came up, is when we are triggered ourselves, how do we handle each other, for lack of a better word? Okay. I don't know if handling's the right word, but you know when you you see your partner and they get triggered, yeah. and you're like, well, or even when I know I'm triggered and I don't know how to calm myself down, yeah. and he's trying to help when all I need is just like space. I'm like, no, I don't want your help right now. Mm. How do you actually respectfully communicate that to your partner? Because I'm already up here, like my rage is all the way up, right. level 9,000, and I'm trying to politely think how to tell him to... Can you leave me alone for like 20 minutes right now? But, you know. There's been a, a few <laughs> nights on the couch. <laughs> is there, well, is there certain things that you find trigger that come up? Um, I don't know. Like, Queenie gets uh, panic attacks. And mm. usually when, I, when I'm seeing them happen is when we're, we're, we're in bed at night. And she'll, she'll just kind of wake up in the middle of the night. It'll trigger. And then it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I do anything? If I don't do anything, I'm kind of an asshole. If I do do something, I'm intrusive. 
So it's finding that equilibrium for myself to go, okay, do I do something? And then some smart ass comment will come out of my mouth to try to calm her down. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to go spend the night on the couch. Gotcha. So is that like wake up from a dream and, and something's going on or is it like can't sleep and panic attack? Anxiety becomes panic attack and panic attack wakes Richard up. I think it's more so the second one. Bad dreams don't normally give me that. Um, and even sometimes if I'm sleeping, there's a little bit of moment where you wake up and you fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happens in those moments, but something would then trigger me. And for me, it's like a something crawling out of my skin and they really want to come out and I can't stop it, whatever I'm doing. Like it's literally um, in the past, if I'm being completely honest and upfront, the only way for me to calm myself down and get out of my head is to inflict physical pain on myself. So if that's like digging my nails into me, like if I was alone before the relationship, it's punching a wall. Because that's the only way it seems to like disrupt whatever's going on in my brain for me to just bring me back. Like, you're okay. Um, and even in what Richard just shared, in my occurrence, I don't have it that he's just going downstairs to give me space. Because the moment he leaves, it actually occurs to me that he's angry with me and upset with me. And he's like, fuck this, I don't want to deal with it. That's what I'm seeing in my world. Right. I never thought of it that way. You are grumpy when you go downstairs. <laughs> well, I don't want to get out of bed in the first place. <laughs> Sleep is sacred to me. If I, if I'm, if I wake up uh, middle of the night, I, I do not fall back asleep. I've got insomnia. So if I'm asleep, I, I hope to stay that way. Um, but I, I never want to come off as grumpy or upset at you. It's not your problem that you're having panic attacks. I, if anything, my frustrations with myself because I can't help you. What's that like for you? It sucks because I love helping people. And if I can't help the woman I love, then like, what good am I? And that's what comes up. That's what comes up. And that's what's stomping down the stairs. Stomping. I wouldn't say stomping. I'm probably stomping. more more like rolling down the stairs. <laughs> After a door slam. Well, yeah, there might be a door slam sometimes. Not all the time. Yeah. And then it's just a matter, you know, you sit down there and I, like, I'll be on the couch and, oh, I'm stewing, I'm mad. I had to get out of bed. And, but I'm not mad at her. I'm just mad at myself because I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough. Like when you, your hands are tied because you just can't do anything, and your loved one's in pain, and she has to put herself in actual physical pain to get through it. It breaks my heart. Yeah. And there's nothing nothing you can do except okay, give her her space. So when I walk out of the room, it's not because I'm angry, and it's not really anything to do with you it's i'm frustrated in myself that's that's what it is what was the language that you used it was like what good am i if i can't help the woman that i love what good am i yeah and i mean it breaks down to years of story of saying that i'm not worthy of someone's love um i've had relationships and engagements that ended in very hard to deal with situations where they've all passed away so even coming into the relationship with Queenie 
I was scared that the moment I put a ring on her finger that she was going to go. She was going to die. Like that was that's how strong my my story was in my head. Luckily, I got over that and I got complete with that. But uh, still, there's always still that, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. It pops up. And it's just a matter of going, oh, crap, there's me there's falling into that story. Mm-hmm. And, okay, get the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's usually when I'm, in occasion, I'll come back up to the room and say, look, this is where I was at. And this is why I left. Right. And... I either stay in the room or <laughs> well and one of the easy things that we can look at here um, in a bit is like an agreement around what works and what doesn't so that you're actually clear and you're actually clear mm-hmm. about what to do in those situations so there's a plan to execute mm-hmm. when it happens so that there is like it reduces the risk of misunderstanding and breakdown that can happen mm-hmm. when there's the your interpretation, Queenie's interpretation, Richard's interpretation, often in like not connected to each other is reality. So that's that's the simple part to do, which is, you know, we can work on that for sure. I'm curious as well what's going on for you over there, Queenie, when when this is all happening. Like sort of walk us through like how it starts for you. The panic, I actually have no idea how it starts. Um, especially if it's in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. I really just, I just start feeling it and then I try to calm myself out of it. Um, what I found works is me trying to be with it, but sometimes that gets a bit extreme Mm -hmm. just because of what I was describing of how something feels like it's crawling underneath Mm -hmm. my skin and I have, like, I just, I can't. Um, then it feels like I go into a fight whether it's like, sometimes it happens when I'm still somewhat half asleep mm-hmm. and it actually wakes me up. Um, and once I am awake and I'm conscious and aware of what is going on, I don't know what to do myself other than to just tell myself it's going to be okay. This mm-hmm. happens. This is just what's happening. And it doesn't mean anything. And if Richard is beside me, I do tend to start feeling guilty that because now I'm waking him up. I can't do anything to control this, so there's actually also a little bit of, I'm not even good enough to control this or myself. Like, really, what is going on? Why do I have to keep others? Like, if I'm suffering, why do I have to bring other people into it? So there's a bit of blame for myself, Mm -hmm. and then it rolls out to what happens, which is Richard wakes up may or may not say something, and then walks out the room. <laughs> then we go down that train. <clears throat> Got it. And so how long has this been happening for you? As long as I can remember. Um, when I've identified that it's panic and anxiety related, mm-hmm. probably more so in the last four years or so. Mm-hmm. I've had this growing up, but within my culture, we don't generally recognize, like within the Chinese culture, realize people can't see me right now. (laughs) Um, Mental health isn't always recognized, especially growing up. So it was never diagnosed, but I would remember having that Mm -hmm. as a kid, Mm -hmm. like just in my room, it always goes back to this image. I'm on the floor and I don't know, I got in trouble for doing something that I didn't believe it was wrong. I don't remember what it was. It's probably like taking food when I shouldn't have. But that battle and struggle and the anxiety is just like me on the floor, hitting the floor. And then that feeling of 
okay, you got to stop hitting the floor now because if your parents hear you, they're going to come up, they're going to hit you. That's not okay. So you need to stop. And it just spirals from there. But that was my most concrete memory of it. That was probably when I was seven or nine, give or take. Mm -hmm. And so in, so it's been with you for a long time, Mm -hmm. not necessarily recognized as a, as a real thing at any point. And then sort of in the last four years, you've become aware of, hey, there's this thing and it has impact. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of impact. Mm-hmm. So how else does it show up for you in your life? I don't actually notice it until it gets to that point. Um, if I am, if it's a busy day and there's a lot of things I have to get through, sometimes there's a, my heart rate kind of goes up. Luckily, I'm good with scheduling things and not having and knowing that not everything has to be done today, just checking in what's due, if seeing if I can move other things around, and that generally helps me calm down. Um, in terms of finances, it shows up in the sense that I've built this amazing plan to pay all the bills, you know, debt, but whatever it is, but it's not happening fast enough. So sometimes that causes me anxiety. A lot of things cause me anxiety. I think is ultimately what I'm discovering. Right. And I'd be curious if there's actually like an ongoing um, low-level experience of anxiety that has just become so much the norm for you that you're not even conscious of the fact that it's there. Probably. Absolutely. And um, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but recently, well, it's legal now. But (laughs) so with the introduction of CBD oil, Mm -hmm. it has actually helped immensely. Like... Mm -hmm. I think it's made a world of difference um, because you're right. I didn't want to admit it. And once I realized it was anxiety that I was um, dealing with, I didn't know to what extent. And it wasn't until um, actually taking on the CBD oil, I was like, okay, maybe I need to acknowledge just how much anxiety I do have and that it is valid. Whereas before I'm like, yeah, I have anxiety, but it's okay, it's manageable. Like what you were saying, it's become the norm. I don't know this the difference until I'm in a full-on panic attack where I'm like feeling stuff crawling out of my right. skin or within. And it's uncomfortable. It, yeah. Yeah. I don't usually share that with people either. Because I don't know, I just don't. I hear people when they have anxiety and panic attacks. But it never occurs to me to share with other people what I go through. I think Richard's probably the one I share with the most because it impacts him the most in those moments. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I'd like to just say it, it impacts you more than it impacts me. But it, there, there's an impact that's felt. But to have to go through the measures that you go through, don't step over that because there's an impact there. For sure, right. yeah. Just mean apart from me. Gotcha. You'd be the best <laughs> one in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richard, if you um, so it sounds like there's what we where we are is there's a a level of anxiety that is always in existence, and it escalates. You may not be conscious of the escalation of it because it's just become such a like a normal part of what life feels like for you mm-hmm. until it gets to. A breaking point where you're at the it feels like things are crawling out of your skin or wanting to crawl out of your skin what do you see 
Um, like I, I see. What do I see? Do you notice see, any of that? I notice, like I notice when it start to build, starting to build up. Um, you can kind of recluse yourself into a quiet zone, and I, that's when I start to know. Okay, this is this is what's going to happen, and I'm ready for it to happen, and I'm there. But like, um, what does "I'm ready for it" mean? Means I'm ready to be here for you. Like bracing yourself, ready to support. Um, I wouldn't say bracing, but it's just like, okay, I know it's going to happen, and I'm here. And uh, so I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I need to get ready for, for this hit that's coming. Right. It's just, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be here for you. And that's, that's what it, it feels, it, that's what, how it occurs inside of me. Um, like very, for visualness, um, like I said, you kind of recluse yourself and then you get really quiet and it, it's almost like um, what I was saying there this morning get out of your head, stop playing the game in your head. And that's kind of where it seems you disappear into just moments before it happens. And I think that's because you're trying to be with it. And that's okay. Um, where I where I see it show up a lot, like managing, uh, managing the schedules, It's uh, you do such an awesome job at it. But when something doesn't fit within the realm of that schedule or it adjusts a bit, that's where I start to see it creep in. It's like, oh, okay, here it comes. <laughs> this this didn't make that timeline. Okay, now you're you're upset, or you're occurring to me as upset. And do I have to fix something? That's what's coming up for me in that. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I can do. So we're five minutes behind what we were scheduled to do. There's nothing that can be done here. So how do you? Get step. How do I get to the step beyond that? Is is kind of where my brain starts going. Is okay. It's five minutes. We're out of schedule by five minutes. Let's just. I get it. Your our words are very important to both of us, and I get we want to be on pl- places on time. But sometimes things happen, and that's where I start to see things kind of creeping up. And then yeah, the finances has been something big for both of us lately. It's kind of like. The moment either of us brings it up, it's like, oh, okay. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> That's a brace yourself conversation. As there's nervous she's, laughter from both of you. Okay, she's go got ahead. her way of doing it. I've got my way of doing it. We both know our ways work for us, but not necessarily Together. the other person. Yeah. Um, but that is something worthy of celebrating, just how far we've come along since. Yeah. Like, we've derailed from the plan, absolutely. But... It's been pretty fantastic. Like everything is looked at, everything has a plan, and we paid off two things of credit cards. Just bring it back. They, to... Correct me, like we were combined. I think somewhere somewhere between the range of forty and eighty thousand dollars in debt, and we've cut that almost in half in less than half of a year. That's pretty awesome, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, those little things come along with it. <laughs> they do. It's, it's like, oh, you know, I just want yeah. some money so that I can... I just want to be at zero. Like I tell, I tell everyone, I'm like, I just want to be at zero, right? I never understood it or appreciated that statement when I was younger. And I'm like, yes, I don't need a lot of money. I just want to be at zero debt, please. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, if we circle back to the anxiety piece, I think it's worth exploring Queenie, what do you know about anxiety? Like, what have you learned about anxiety, either from your own experience or from hearing conversations? Yeah. Um, 
That's a very interesting question. <laughs> so what I know about anxiety is more from the psychological mm -hmm. side, what psychiatrists, psychologists have told me. So I've been through those. Um, I've had a suicide attempt at 16 where I didn't know it was illegal. So they took me in a cop car to the hospital. And that was kind of the first dive I've ever had by um, a team surrounding. Because you get a team of therapists and psychiatrists, psychologists. And they were exploring with me, right? And telling me about depression and anxiety. And the first thing is they were offering me pills. Because they said this is what would um, kind of calm you down. You wouldn't feel this way. And I was very against it. Mm -hmm. I still am to this day. I don't believe in pills to an extent. Um, at least for myself. I'd rather like to explore work through the journey um but i don't know if i've actually discovered or learned an option to handle anxiety beyond pills mm -hmm. right it seems like everyone you talk to it's like hey well these are the symptoms right and here take some pills they would help you so i feel like even now sharing it all i can think of when i hear anxiety and what i know it's medication right well conveniently I'm not a doctor. Fantastic. So I won't, <laughs> I can't prescribe. Um, but the place that I like to look with people is um, with depression and anxiety. Typically they, they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, is there's definitely the chemical side of it, the like your brain makeup side of it. And some people are more predisposed to depression and anxiety symptoms than other people. Um, and then there's the like what you can do side of it. And so not to... Um, diminish or negate the reality of there are anxiety disorders and depressive disorders. I actually have a chronic mood disorder of depression, so I'm clear that it's it's a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I also get that there are things that I can do to support myself in managing managing it. So getting to know it and getting to know what it looks like. Um, from a, an anxiety standpoint, anxiety typically comes from future-based thinking. When you're putting yourself out into the future in that what if space, looking for here are all the different things that could happen or really worried about these particular things happening and then trying to clamp down and put control over top of what might happen that isn't yet happening, but that could be happening. That's typically where anxiety um, starts to spin and amp itself up or ramp itself up. Mm -hmm. Have you looked at that before? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true. Um, during the daytime, which I don't always get panic attacks in the daytime because I've, like, throughout the four years, I've started to be with it and then it put a structure in place and it still happens and that's exactly what it looks like. As you said, I'm thinking about future things. Mm -hmm. um, and so the structure I actually put in myself is I will schedule for that future thing. Because, and that's how I cope with it. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't matter if it's not happened yet. Like, logically, I'm aware of that. But psychologically, I need to pretend almost to structure it so that I can just be complete with it and have like a semi timeline, then I'm good. That's how I deal with it. Um, is what helps me spending time alone, like just being with myself, being with it sometimes does help as well. I think it's mostly the night times where I have no control over it. And I'm saying, I'm only saying that now because I don't know what I'm thinking subconsciously. So it could be something of like the future that I took with me in my sleep, mm -hmm. which may be what it is. 
Um, so that's more of like the concern. Whereas daytime, I don't. Well, daytime, you have as, control. Daytime, I have control. And so, like, that's actually the place that probably needs to get investigated mm. is the need for control and how that actually shows up and um, <clears throat> expanding your capacity to be with mm. the uncertain. Fair enough. That's interesting. Yeah, so what's there for me is being in control is my way of keeping myself safe based on what has happened to me in the past, what I've had to deal with, blah, 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 all that. And then the other side of me is thinking, well, if you're on an entrepreneurial journey, it's never safe. And there's risk taking. And I also love that. But I know that's not what's causing me the anxiety. Because that part is the fun part. And Mm -hmm. I actually feel fully self-expressed. But yeah, no, back to the, it's to make myself safe. Yeah. And that there's this like experience of I'm not safe. Yeah. Which is getting me really emotional right now. Yeah. What's the emotion? Um that I'm still there. Like I thought I got complete with that in my introduction leaders program weekend one. (laughs) Um, Where we were exploring just um, different possibilities and just being with what game are we up to and I got flat that I was using ambition as the game I was playing versus connecting with people. So I was avoiding connection with people because I'm ambitious and I'm doing things my way. Whereas now I'm actually seeing that as just no, because that's my way to be safe as well. Mm -hmm. I don't want people I've, well, I say that and haven't been mentally, physically, sexually, emotionally abused. I don't trust people and I still don't. So I want the control so I can keep myself safe. Mm-hmm. It's really normal. Yeah. <laughs> and what's not normal in that way of being is Richard coming into my life. The love I have for him is really making me confront and having to look at that. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to treat him that way. Yeah, I get that. At all. And it's still there for me, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Well, and it lives in your body and we can attempt to rationalize it. And this is a technical coach term, logicalize it as much as possible. (laughs) And um, that doesn't actually handle it. That doesn't actually make a difference. No, one of my really good friends, Miss Connie Jacob, I'm going to name drop her, (laughs) is um, she's always told me the body keeps a score. And honestly, she first told me, like, whatever, I don't know what that means. And I'm seeing it, especially this year. It's a year of discovery. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it's, it, I, I like to look at these things from the perspective sometimes that consider you created this opportunity for yourself, as uncomfortable as it is, by making space for someone like Richard to show up in your life yeah. to force you to confront this. Because, like you're actually done with dealing with it. I so am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I so am. Yeah. And so that might be the space to be looking is actually what am I trying to control? And in trying to control, what am I trying to avoid? Mm. And then dealing with the what you're trying to avoid. 
Some of it will make sense. Like some of it will be, I'm trying to avoid credit debt and I'm anxious about this unexpected bill that showed up. Like, and that's outside of what, what the plan was. Some of that is going to be like, makes sense. Yeah. And some of it will just live in your system and needs to get processed. And that's, that's probably like a bigger conversation of actually processing through mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, it's not something you can just like get flat on, sadly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because what just came into my space right now is um, the abortion we had earlier this year. Emotionally, I thought I was flat on it. Physically, holy shit, I took a toll. Yeah. And then spiritually, I have no idea. I don't think I'm 100% and healed from that. Yeah. So definitely going to look at the process <laughs> and what it takes to just get flat and be complete. I invite you to stop using flat, get flat with stuff like this because it actually doesn't work that way. Mm. Like you can, you can get flat with a plan, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to like below the neck, the stuff that lives in your sympathetic nervous system, like that has to get processed Mm. and healed. Fair enough. Which is also a completely out of control journey. Mm. (laughs) There's some insight. Yeah. <laughs> that might be why. Yeah. Because well, even my language, I'm trying to control it. Yeah. Yeah. Great noticing. Fair enough. Mm. I'm going to give you a second to breathe. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you seeing for yourself or hearing in this conversation or noticing, Richard? I noticed you were emotional earlier. Yeah, like... Um... Moon Queenie expressed her love for me every time she does that. Like, I really get it. I, and it pulls me out of that story that I was saying earlier of not being worthy. I'm like, wow, somebody actually does love me. And it's a great feeling. (laughs) Um, I, I wish the whole world could feel love like this every day inside of themselves and from others. I think that would, kind of clear up a lot of things in the world. But I mean, that's kind of off topic. <laughs> um, what's really coming, kind of coming up for me is like, I didn't realize the struggle that Queenie's actually going through. Mm. Like, I, I'm well aware of it now. I think something that the agreement that we got to kind of come up with is like, okay, that, like I, if I'm noticing you falling into it, it's like, hey, is this coming up? What do you need me to do? Do you need me to back off? Because mm-hmm. I'll back off. Because like what I'm really present to is like when we first started dating, um, and we were sharing a bed. There's points where Queenie liked to sleep in her own bed, so it was a little tough. Uh, but there was one incident where I just felt her energy, and rolled right over, and and that moment it kind of <laughs> cleaned it cleared up for for you because she was, yeah I actually forgot about that yeah. So that's the way it was when we first started mm-hmm. dating. Um, she would feel something, she'd tap me, and I'd just roll over and she'd be fine. Well, the first time I didn't even tap them, and it's like we're both spiritual individuals, so I really see it as a spiritual thing where he felt my energy, he turned around, and I was shocked. Like, Heather, I've never felt or <laughs> been in a situation where I feel my panic coming on. He turned around, and I was like, whoosh. Like, Oh my God, it was so comforting. And that's 
that's no longer present. And I'm not sure if it's me, the trust and the, you know, part coming back up. Well, let's go back to that moment. What happened in that moment? So you felt panic coming up. I felt like panic coming up. So I started, started moving a little bit, tossing and turning how it normally starts. Um, and all of a sudden, like, all that happened was Richard turned around. His back was facing me, mm-hmm. straightly facing me. And my anxiety just went away. And I have no idea what actually happened until we talked about it. And the following morning, he actually said to me what he just shared now. It was, I felt your energy, something was off, so... I turned around and he said that act of him turning around with his back to me is um, closing in his own energy. So just allowing mine to be whatever it needed in the space. And so in the moment when, when he did that, what, were you, what happened for you? So I was still panicking the moment he turned around. I thought I was waking him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just being with it myself. I was being with the anxiety. Then it no longer was there like it just dissipated like it was just gone it took a little bit like it wasn't instant it took about i'd say 30 seconds maybe of me like oh something's changed like the moment he turned something shifted for me no idea what it was because i wasn't present to it i just know that my anxiety was going away and then within i think two minutes of that i felt I don't know if relieve is the right word. I almost felt just free and safe. Mm. And then I fell back asleep. Yeah, and what was the safe part? I just felt safe with him. Mm. And that's new. Yeah. And now I'm getting emotional again. (laughs) And what's the emotion about this time? Feels a little different. Yeah. It's joy and trust that I can feel safe with another human being. Right. And truly feel it, not just pretend feeling it. Mm -hmm. So then why doesn't it work now? What's changed? Um, on, an, on an energy thing, um, we're up to a lot of things. I'm not as present to my energy anymore. It's kind of it's kind of disappeared a bit for me, which makes me feel a little lost. Um, because it's always been a big part of who I am. I've kind of seen myself as a person that can see. Things. I, I've predicted a few things from happening. Um, I can feel other people's energies. I'm a bit of an em- empath. And <clears throat> I don't know, in the last two or three months, I feel like some of those abilities are dissipating out of my body. And it scares me, and I'm lost about it. So I think that could be part of why that's not there anymore. And the discovery now is to discover why those abilities are dissipating so what's going on up up here what's going on in my heart what's different and it could just be that i'm feeling fulfilled i don't know in in my relationship and my love i feel so fulfilled that maybe it's put a block on those things because i don't need them as much anymore i i don't know 
I'm speculating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that um, typically happens for human beings, and I'm clear that you guys do a really good job of getting complete when stuff happens, like something shows up, you figure it out, and you get it back to good, right? Um, I would be curious about if in some way Uh, because this is what we do, right, is collect proof and evidence to support a belief system from somewhere else, (laughs) right? If that the connection that you have to your history with anxiety and it living like in your sympathetic nervous system versus being like a conscious thought, if there's been parts of you along the way that have tested Richard and tried and pushed him and maybe not had what you maybe unconsciously needed back from him, mm. which lives then as proof and evidence to support that the safety doesn't exist over there anymore, which is in alignment with, you know, someone who is pretty committed to not trusting people. Yeah. So a hundred percent. Like I'm not actually like in this conversation right now, I'm not a hundred percent clear on what those things were. And I know that's exactly what I've done. Mm-hmm. Because, and I want to just thank you, Heather, for being with us in this conversation, really. Because I thought I had completed the thought of I'm now safe with Richard, right? Like, I've created that. And you're right. It's probably that I've still been testing him because it's still there in my body. And now I've found some evidence and that's no longer there. Well, I'll give you some stats from research. <laughs> Lay them on. <laughs> yeah. In the first two years of relationship, that's essentially what people are doing. So you guys have been together for six-ish, seven-ish months. Is that right? Seven months of December and our wedding day. Right. <laughs> and, and so congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, and that... Uh, for the first two years, like you're really testing to see whether or not the person is uh, like somebody that you can count on. Then the next 10, okay, so we're like at 12 years ish, is really testing uh, do you accept me? Are you going to be there for me? Mm. So consider that you have, like, in the world of how relationships work according to the science. Mm-hmm it's not something that it's a one-time decision and then you're good that you will consciously or unconsciously continue to test that and look for proof and evidence to support either way when you come from a place of i can't trust people you'll be looking for proof and evidence to support that belief what you get to do is get better at noticing that that's what you're collecting and look for the other side of things like look for the other side of all the ways that he does show up or all the ways that she does show up instead of this thing that could be interpreted as not showing up. I never thought of it that way. Like, I'm just like, I'm kind of floored and taken back because now I'm just, hmm, what was I testing for now? (laughs) (laughs) And it probably along the lines, it's it's the trust thing for me. Um, that we, definitely was there. Yeah. We all have... Um, so the research that I'm referring to comes from Dr. John Gottman. He's a relationship expert who has gone about scientifying relationships. 
Uh, he was originally a mathematician at MIT and got bored with math, fascinated with interpersonal human relationships, especially intimate relationships, and spent the next, well, it's now on 45 years researching, um, looking for patterns in relationships and has come up with quantifiable answers versus a theory. Yeah, so that's where that, that information comes from. And he talks a lot about we all have enduring vulnerabilities. And those would be the sorts of you know wounds that have happened, injuries, emotional injuries that have happened mm -hmm. somewhere along the way that are actually not really healable. They're, they're always going to be there on some level. You may get better at not being triggered by something. You may be able to create agreements and understandings inside the relationship to support not triggering things. And sometimes you're going to be blindsided by it. And that's just there. And part of being in a relationship is actually learning how to support each other in recognizing the enduring vulnerabilities being triggered also like being conscious of if I do this it might trigger that so I'm going to be less likely to do this mm -hmm. that kind of stuff so in that domestics <laughs> <laughs> oh it'll get me started on that one so it, it really is like it's relationships are an ongoing constant effort of discussing learning forgiving moving on right so it seems like here in this place what might be worth looking at is investigating how to set you up to start recognizing when the anxiety is actually starting I would be curious about if we start putting a focus or a spotlight on that mm -hmm. you would start to become familiar with physically what yeah. it feels like when you're starting to try to control something I get shaky, like jitters. You know when you have too much coffee? Or, or too much death pop? Yes, <laughs> aspartame. <laughs> um, or even too much sugar for me sometimes. I've that shakiness feeling. I would get that. Where does it, where does it show up in your body? Uh, my hands. Like, I can, mm -hmm. like literally my hands, I can feel up. My heart rate goes up. Mm -hmm. I'm not as conscious to my heart rate unless it's like really pounding mm -hmm. for me. But the hands, I've noticed that's a sign. Um, the idea, like in my mind, it's the idea that, okay, nothing's going to work. Talk this. I'm done. Like, I'm just, no, it's not going to work. Someone else do it. You take it over. Right. When without the anxiety, um, just me, I stand in the space of everything can be planned. Even the unexpectables, it's just putting the right structure in place to account for that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that we're having this conversation because it's, it's like I do it for everything else except for myself mm -hmm. because I'm choosing to neglect myself by not trusting anyone. A part of that actually goes deeper into not even trusting myself. That's usually where it stems from. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because we often have lots of proof and evidence to support that we are unreliable for ourselves. Exactly. Even for things that were outside of our control, like that happened when we were quite little, where it may feel like we should have done something different or we could have done something different to create different outcomes. Absolutely. And we don't, we didn't do that, but it's proof and evidence. It's kind of where it begins or one of the places it can begin. Mm -hmm. um, 
But that's a, that. Those are the two biggest signs. Would be the handshaking, mm-hmm. and definitely the thought of, okay, nothing's gonna work, so I'm not even gonna try. I'm done with this. Right, and then it sounds like there's another voice that comes in over top. That's like, let's just turn all that off and let's focus on creating a plan to manage the unexpected situation here. Yep, yep. The other mm-hmm. one's like, Kate, let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. You're stressed. You're, you don't want to do this, and it needs to get done, so see what you can do. Right. And then it depends on what I create from there. If I'm comfortable with it, then it'll slowly dissipate. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, oh, it spirals. Yeah. <laughs> it spirals, and I get angry. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it, it, what, what um, can be there is the, I'm trying to suppress it. Yes. And in the suppression uh, over time, it, it's like anything, like a pressure cooker over time. Right? The pressure builds up and it, there needs to be a release valve. Yeah. I call it Miss Hulk. <laughs> she starts to Hulk out. Oh, it really, yeah. It's scary. For okay. me even. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say, okay, great. Not that it's scary. <laughs> I, I want to say great that you can see that because it's, it's a starting place. And what we actually want to do is start with both of you. I think you'd be great support because you'd be conscious of and witnessing what's happening. Um, that there's able, what we want to be able to do is start to get you back to the beginning. So before the hands start shaking, mm. starting to recognize this, the shoulders going up around and becoming earrings or the shallow breathing, um, or just the inability to focus on thoughts or whatever those things are for you. Mm. It's a feedback loop. You're, you have some sort of external stimuli that comes in and is, managed in your body your body has a reaction to it and your brain identifies what the reaction is and starts to tell the story of whatever that is so if the brain recognizes based on the physiology threat danger it responds in that way and so one of the ways that you've discovered to manage danger threat even though it's perceived not necessarily real Mm -hmm. is to hulk out that's one of the ways Right. Another way is to control it. Another mm-hmm. way is to suppress it. Yep. Yeah. All three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's really being able to start getting you to the place at the beginning of the feedback loop. You'll notice it physically before you'll notice it in your head because that's actually where it starts. Yeah. That threat assessment system that we all have going mm-hmm. on right in our biology of making sure that we're not going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. that threat assessment system hasn't changed as you know mm-hmm. it's still there it's just the threats are different the threats are debt unexpected schedule changes somebody's saying something or giving you the side eye like that's the threat now so what are you hearing and all of that i'm hearing that there's more work to do for me <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> Because I've just had it that, okay, I know these are the symptoms, this is these are my triggers when I know they come up, and it makes a lot of sense when you say, well, go back further than that, right? Because great, like I've done the work to discover this part where I'm at now, mm-hmm. and yeah, I can take on that, and what I'm hearing is just what's next is for me to just explore further and lean on Richard for help. Mm-hmm. To just see, okay, what does it actually look like when it starts? Mm -hmm. Because hearing that from you, I actually have no idea. 
right? Um, I know you mentioned the shoulders. I'm like, yeah, but this is like, I'm always, I'm, I've always been here. I've always had my shoulders to my ears. So it's like, I don't know if it's actually more or less than usual because they're always there. And that's great, great noticing for you as well. Because at some point we want you to have the shoulders down and relaxed yeah, as just sort so of, great. yeah. And so if where we're, where we're starting is I'm always here, like I'm always up, shoulders as earrings. Ooh. I think that's the funniest phrase ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. If that's where we are, if that's where we're starting, okay, great. That's where we're starting and we need to look for like, what's the next level of that. So if the next level is the hand shaking, that's where we start. That's what we start paying attention to and noticing Ooh. The hand shaking. If it's uh, now, if I really think about it, I can feel that there's some like stuff going on in my stomach that's mm. along with that. Okay, great. That's where we start, and we start looking for that. And every time we experience that, we have some work to do in looking for what is it that I'm reacting to, what mm. is being triggered in me right now, and then what do I need to do to actually process as opposed to suppress yes. the feeling. And as you get familiar with that, then you'll start to notice the one prior to that, the one prior to the stomach, which might be the shoulders, it might be shallow breathing, yeah. and you just start to get, push it back. So what's really interesting in that is, I just heard it again, but I think I'm hearing it for the first time, is the word process. I am so not good with processing emotions. Yeah, it's messy. It's so messy. And vulnerable. It is. I think the only thing I've ever come close to processing emotions is actually through my crystals. Before um, just lying there with like the full-on chakra healing crystals, I feel so at peace and at ease. Because I'm just giving myself time to just be with emotions. Whatever comes up, comes up. Which is actually process. And now that I haven't, been that like I just feel this is another point where I just feel connected to him <laughs> Richard he's not feeling his abilities as much and I haven't been with my crystals for months they're actually in my bag that I carry around almost everywhere and I don't even take them out or touch them or look at them so it's a mix of suppressing and not wanting to deal with it mm -hmm. so when you just said process a second time I really heard it like okay I need, a, I need a process for myself to release because that used to be dance and I don't, like, I don't do that anymore. I could at home. There's a lot of reasons I could, but I don't. And so there's physically no release for me except for my training sessions that I've recently taken on and I've noticed the difference of how much it helps just moving the body around, yeah. opening it up, clearing whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, I sleep so well after. And, and processing also looks like crying and talking about what the feelings are. And it also looks like being angry and talking about what's causing the anger. Like that's also processing and a really important part. And when that's not happening, that's consider that the way that you're processing it is in the middle of the night Ooh. or the way that you're processing it is during the blackouts. Ooh, mm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that <laughs> makes so much sense. It, on the it, blackout room. It really, wow. it really does, because that's where those things get said. Yeah. When 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 you say those things, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> 
I'm actually, I'm over here really getting the impact of when I don't schedule myself to release, that that's what happens and gets like, wow. But is scheduling a release, is that not a form of control? <laughs> Good catch. It's a form of control, but I'm, I'm going to take this one yeah. hour every day to make sure hey. I can release everything. <laughs> it is control, but it's also a structure. There's there's definitely the need for the intentionality around it, yeah. for sure. And there's the... I don't mean plan every release. I just mean I need, a, I need well, something in my structure. Well, it's 12 o'clock and I'm angry at Richard. I'm going to give him a call. <laughs> the first five minutes of this hour, I will process crying. Um... <laughs> I think it, it's it's important just to recognize that um, it's it's often through talking that this stuff gets processed. So it's great that you have a physical release, and the physical release will do so much. There's repairing of your sympathetic nervous system that needs to happen that will likely only happen through conversation. Mm. And... Uh, <sighs> So in some of the more recent science, which is like more recent being like the 80s, which is, <laughs> you know, instead of in the early 1900s, um, there's a lot of conversation around attachment theory. Have you guys heard of that yes, before? Yes, I have. And so attachment theory talks about um, sort of between zero and 18 months to two years is where the majority of your uh, understanding about connection and relatedness and safety happens. So before you actually have memory, like long-term memory. And the way that a lot of that stuff, this is a really butchered version of it. So if there's any people listening to this that are like, that's not attachment theory, I get that. Uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not professing to be an expert. However, one of the things that can happen during those times is uh, your parents, they play such a, uh, an important role as your support structure and your safety mechanism that depending on what they were doing in their lives at that time, can really impact your experience of safety. Mm -hmm. And so if you are left to cry it out in the crib, as an example, which is uh, like that was the parenting style of the day at a point, and I think that's changed more recently, but that was absolutely a thing that happened. For the infant that is crying for fear, for uh, just needing connection, needing love, needing touch, um, or because they're hungry, that actually occurs as like a life-threatening experience and has an impact on their nervous system. And when that is, happens on a regular basis, that is just an example. I need to be like, I should write a disclaimer for this part of the episode. Um, it's just an example of how stuff can start to accumulate in your sympathetic nervous system and then determine how you relate and connect with other people. And so it's actually healing. Some of this work may include actually healing that stuff and increasing your threshold mm -hmm. to be with what occurs as a threat that you don't even recognize as being a threat right now. Yeah, yeah I just I just heard my whole life in that. Like the first two as a baby. Yeah, I don't, I don't think my mom took me back over for care until I was about six months old or later. And then... They told me there was an incidence where I had a bottle. They leave me with a bottle to sleep. Then one night I choked on it and I never had a bottle again. This was all like before I was two. So in that time frame, wow. And that stuff is what lives in your yeah. sympathetic nervous system, right? That and I it, never looked at. Yeah. 
But why, why would, would you, you think of looking at it when you're a baby? Well, I like, don't have memory of it, so it doesn't exist. Yeah, but yeah. it does in your subconscious. Yes. And, and your body. And your sympathetic, which yeah. is the fight or flight nervous system. And so <sighs> your, symp- your nervous systems have your parasympathetic nervous system and your sympathetic nervous system. I'm hoping I'm getting these right right now. Um, and the, the parasympathetic one is like the processing. It's like your rest, yeah. relaxation, all of your organs do all of their work to move things through your body, to calm you down, to process mm. all of the stress hormones that can get released during yeah. times of anxiety or like exertion. Um, and when your sympathetic nervous system has a hyper-responsive reaction, because of experiences, your sympathetic or your parasympathetic nervous system doesn't get to do its job as much. And so you end up with burnout as well, like the adrenal fatigue Mm -hmm. as part of this. So this is where cortisol gets released, but doesn't get processed through your system like that. So this whole process isn't great we had a topic seriously this was, <laughs> no this was amazing because i'm actually sitting over here looking at my whole life mm-hmm. when you were saying what we see as perceived threats into our body man i could list off so many right now mm-hmm. just the way i grew up yes yeah and and you can get uh you can again this patented uh coaching term logicalize all of that as much as you want, but it doesn't change no. what's happened in the system, right? And the system no. is what needs to get addressed. Yeah. So in looking at an agreement, right? Like mm-hmm. creating an agreement about, so how can you guys support each other? If we start with at night, when you're having a reaction that Richard is conscious of, what do we need to do to have you both feel supported? Like, let's make the plan now so the next time it happens, you like you know is it are you getting up and leaving like are you getting up and leaving the room and letting Richard sleep is it Richard getting up and leaving like what what makes sense as a as a starting place you get to try it and then renegotiate what doesn't work inside of that well I think if regardless of who's leaving the room or if anyone's leaving the room um the thing that I would want to contribute to this agreement would be to not let that story be part of it for myself that Mm. I can't support you. I can't get you through this. There's the reality is you're having a panic, panic attack and I'm not a medical professional. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So it's probably as simple as do you need me to do something? Well, let's see right now if we can figure out some things to give you right off the hop that you may not be Queenie, be able to access in the moment. Like, yeah. do you need a drink of water? Do you need, do you need to sit up and talk about it? Should we turn the lights on? Like, and like, what what could you see right now may make a difference. I would like to start with a hug. Okay. Because I've noticed for myself and what I need, um, like long hugs, actually calm me down yeah. so I think maybe it's the parasympathetic system <laughs> I don't know yeah, that depends on the other system because <laughs> um, I, I feel that physically like when I get those long hugs I actually feel like the tension release so I don't like I actually don't know if that would work or not when I have panics but that's something to try and then if I push you away then maybe not well and, and something to consider as well uh, in the Gottman research uh, in relation to 
building intimacy, one of the things that they recommend is a six-second kiss, that the peck on the cheek is not not long enough, that it actually needs to be lip-to-lip for six seconds. And that actually creates... I think we got that that down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have it down at seven months, so let's have it happen at seven years and at (laughs) 47 years, right? Like, that's part of what will actually keep it alive. But I would be curious if some version of that would be applicable in the world of the hug, that there would Mm. be something that would... So you may have to allow for 10 seconds, which Mm. might seem like the longest 10 seconds of your life, before you make a decision about pushing him away. And I don't know. You'll have to try it. Yeah. I'd be willing to take that on and see if it, you know, how it works Mm -hmm. or doesn't work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Either way, I'd be willing to take that on. And I actually have a request for that. So if I do happen to push you away, just the phrase that kind of helps me in those moments is like direct instruction. So... It's not 10 seconds yet or something like that to just let me know because I am in an agreement. And even in those moments, I'm like, okay, right. I want to push you away and it's not 10 seconds yet. So let's complete, you know. Maybe we can count together. Yeah, maybe even that. That would require you some math. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might be, Richard, you might be able to start the count. And it could be that you just, maybe what you do is start counting at the number out loud. If she's starting to push you away, you're like, five, six, (laughs) seven. That may make a difference. It might. I'm willing to take it on. Like I'm looking for anything to be able to stay in, in the bed and cuddling. Versus sleeping on an uncomfortable couch. All night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's and it's so it's a place to start. So it's a place to start with. Give it a try. See if it works. See if it and and if it doesn't work, what about it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And what would work better? And so just have it as an ongoing negotiation. Um, I would give it a few tries before you make a decision that it doesn't work because there's going to need to be both of you getting into the groove of how this goes um, and seeing maybe it's, maybe the hug works, maybe it's the, like the reminder phrase that needs to change. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also invite you to be starting to pay attention during the day Mm -hmm. to things that are triggering or things where you're noticing a heightened level of anxiety or the experience of I must control and just start becoming conscious of those things. Maybe you can share that stuff with Richard because you'll probably be really great at being able to connect dots as an observer that you won't see because you're in the experience. So sharing that stuff with Richard may make a difference. And if you start to see things that you connect dots, like, oh yeah, actually now I've been able to see there's this pattern of when you don't have sleep the night before, and then something happens in the morning. If I hear this phrase from you by three o'clock in the afternoon, I know that this is going to be one of those nights. So then we get to have a conversation before we go to bed about what's going on and do some of that processing. Mm-hmm. Even that to me sounds like mapping it out. Uh, structure, control. <laughs> I see it coming up. There's, there's lots of room for it as long as there's room for the soft side too. I mean, if it creates an access for yeah. us, I think that's okay. That kind of structure is important because yeah. it gives you a chance to to reflect, not over, not analyze, but reflect. Yeah, and just be like, okay, this is what happened, and let's go on. I mean, just in 
in addition to your statements earlier about the shakes that you get, mm-hmm. I typically see it a step earlier than that. It you do you do something that I like to call turtling. Mm. What it's is like, turtling? You're you're kind of de- it's like the shoulders to the ears thing, but you're like uh, right into it and you get really quiet, like you're getting into a shell. Like don't come near me, I'm in my shell. Back off. Oh, I'm retreating. That could be a word for it. Hmm. I think turtling's really creative. <laughs> I see like I love turtles. I know yeah. I got the visual too, and then if someone comes at me in my shell, I will reach out and bite them because <laughs> I'm like, go well, yeah, away. Go I away. know we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and it was about when you react, and it was had something to do with if you feel that your character or word was it being under attack, that's when you <laughs> out. Mm. So like when you're turtling, it's almost a perceived attack on your character, but really it's like, hey love, are you okay? Don't talk to me. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. So that that's where I see it happening as an observer is it starts at the turtling and then all of a sudden the shakes start mm. and then it's, oh, okay. Did I do something? <laughs> yeah. No. I think but I like the ideas for the nighttime stuff. That's yeah. I think I need to explore more on the turtling because, again, it's like the shoulders are always up to my ears already. Mm. And I don't disagree. I definitely turtle. And I have no idea what that looks like for myself. Yeah. Or what's, what's causing it. Like what's yeah, happened. What, and if it's been a series of things that have happened to get you to that point. So probably really helpful to point it out. Like, hey, hon. You're turtling. You're doing the turtle. You can make a song. Well, there's the turtles. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> there's the turtles candy jingle. You can just walk around. Turtles, turtles, whatever that song is. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're right, they're a chocolate. They are a chocolate. Maybe oh, you just give her turtles chocolate. cheesecake. Just That's give really her. Sorry. Completely. We're not eating breakfast yet. <laughs> <laughs> New topic. So yeah, that would probably be a really good place to start from. And as yeah. you start to sort of fill in some of this information, then you can have another conversation to look at. Okay, so now where do we need to go and now how do we support each other with this? You know what I'm seeing in that too, in this conversation that I'm just getting present to is um, how much that would strengthen our relationship to journey along with it, right? Like, because we've been talking about, okay, we don't do this much things, you know, we don't even have work dates anymore because that's that's what we so do. Sorry. We have we have work <laughs> dates. <laughs> um but this would be, I'm just seeing this would be like a really cool thing to explore, especially because we're both so open to it, just to build a relationship. And nobody thinks to do that. No, they think I got to handle this by myself. Yeah. Like I don't actually, having this conversation with you, I'm now curious um, how many couples out there do this to explore each other's triggers and what's going on um, in their life. As a thing to do together. Most people don't even recognize that it's a thing to do on their own, let alone a thing to do together. Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And even if they did, they don't know how. That's true. Because it's, well, with anxiety and depression, it's mental health and... Well, and we don't learn this. Like, we don't get taught how to have relationships. We get taught trigonometry. Right? We get taught... so useful. Shakespeare and sonnets. We get taught that. We do not get taught how to have relationships. We learn about how to have relationships from the people around us, from the examples that we had of our parents, our primary caregivers. Um, I like to joke that we learned it from soap operas on TV and Hollywood movies. Oh, yes. Rom-coms. Yeah. And that's not actually... 
if you think about any of those examples, uh, especially from the Hollywood side of things, they actually just show you how the relationship starts. They never show you how the relationship goes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get the off to the, in the sunset moment and then... And then it's over, but you never actually have them have the fight about... Yeah. Unless it's Family Guy, they'll do a little snippet away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even in that, it's that's like regular relationships. What about relationships that involve mental health? Because it's such a big topic, right? I think a friend shared with me, the stat was one in five children have or are dealing with some mental health challenges. But it's not just the children. It's actually one in five families, one in five companies. Like, so it's a group thing. But yeah, this would be a really cool thing to explore. I'm excited. Cool. I'm excited too. I just like, I feel relieved a bit having talked all this out. Um, as I'm tired of being angry. Like, when I go down to the couch, I stew on my shit. Did I do something? Is she being a nasty C word? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Why can't I solve this? And I'm just stewing it and I get angrier and angrier and angrier. And I, Queenie knows, I am a loving person. I, I do not like to be in anger at all. Mm -hmm. But I know it's important to feel anger, but to be in it, it like, it kills me. I hate it. And I don't even like to use the word hate. I just hate it. And if this brings a modicum or any piece to that, I think I could have some of my abilities back. Like just being able to deal with it and be clear. And, you know, I don't know. I'm going to go off into a ramble here. <laughs> well, that's great. I just, I, I just want to feel that, not feel that anymore. Does that sound like control, Heather? <laughs> Not it's a request. To <laughs> yeah, no, I don't hear it as a control. The anger that that kind of anger is often coming from like a reaction to the experience of feeling mm -hmm. powerless, and so with this, you feel like you have some access to do something, which mm -hmm. will hopefully mitigate that experience of anger for you. Yeah. So, awesome. Well, it feels like a good place to kind of at least end this conversation. Mm -hmm. Do either of you have anything? Do you need to say to be complete or? close this I want to thank you oh you're welcome like from the bottom of my heart like it's it's not something we typically do is sit and put everything out about our, our lives I mean no way was this everything that's going on in our lives <laughs> uh, but to just be able to get it out there on the table talk it through with a, just like a third party and be able to go okay yeah you know what this is what we're not thinking about thank you yeah, you're really welcome. It was a real pleasure to work with you guys. And for me, it's appreciation. I'm honestly so grateful. Because there are times where Richard says, I don't share, and I don't open up, talk to him about emotions. And then part of me is like, oh, I don't know how. And I love the guided conversation that actually just did brought it. us there. <laughs> well, I know I just did it. That's why I'm saying that. Um, and I'm really grateful because as much as I think I talk about this stuff. I actually don't. It's I have a lot of conversations with others who have the same challenges as me, and I hear them out, but I don't share back. So this was a really nice way for me to process 
emotions <laughs> today. She's like, I want a gold star. <laughs> Way to you get want on like the court. Toy. What? Way to get on the court with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. And um, last thing you said, Richard, is I'd love to support you in that too, of not feeling powerless and seeing what I can do to support and help you with that. Just assist, like you're doing with me. So thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really acknowledge you guys for putting yourself out there and coming into this type of conversation, not knowing what was going to happen or how it was going to go. Um, and just really having the courage to bring it all and be so straight with each other and clear about what was going on. So thank you for that. I'm sure it'll make a difference for some other people too. So thanks. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Okay. Clap. Clap. I feel like we should clap. That was. We're clapping for ourselves. We're acknowledging. That's on video. We're acknowledging ourselves. <laughs>